ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानार्जुना श्लाकाय चक्षुर्मे नम So we are towards the end of chapter 18 the prayers offered by the Lord uh to the Lord by the residents of Jambudweep and we are reading up to 32 but we're starting on text 29 So starting in 30 uh we'll hear uh Aryama's uh prayers to Lord Krishna the 29 says Sukadev Goswami continued in Hiranmaya Varsha, the Supreme Lord Vishnu, lies in the form of a tortoise, Kurma Sharira. This most dear and beautiful form is always worshipped there in devotional service by Aryama, the chief resident of Hiranya, uh, Hiranmaya Varsha, along with the other inhabitants of that land. They chant the following hymns. So here's the first of his prayers. Uh, oh, my Lord, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you who have assumed the form of a tortoise. You are the reservoir of all transcendental qualities, but being entirely untinged by matter, you are perfectly situated in pure goodness. You move here and there in the water, but no one can discern your position. Therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. Because of your transcendental position, you are not limited by past, present, and future. You are present everywhere as a shelter of all things, and therefore I offer my respectful obeisances unto you again and again. Oh my Lord, this Visible cosmic manifestation is a demonstration of your creative energy. Since the countless varieties of forms within this cosmic manifestation are simply a display of your external energy, this irat rupa universal form is not your real form. Except for a devotee in transcendental consciousness, no one can perceive your actual form. Therefore, therefore I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. And here we are in 32 My dear Lord, you manifest your different energies in countless forms as living entities born from wombs, from eggs and from perspiration, as plants and trees that grow out of the earth, as all living entities both moving and standing, including the demigods, the learned sages and the titas. Uh, as outer space as the higher planetary system containing the heavenly planets and as the planet earth with its hills rivers seas oceans and islands indeed all the stars and planets are simply manifestations of your different energies but originally you are one without a second therefore there is nothing beyond you this entire cosmic manifestation is therefore not false but simply a temporary manifestation of your inconceivable energies. Prabhupada writes at the end of the first paragraph, for example, if one becomes angry for a certain period, no one can say that his anger is false. It is simply temporary. Everything we experience in our daily lives is of this same character. It is temporary but real. And Prabhupada writes a little further, no one will accept the argument that since a person's body is false meaning it's temporary murder has no repercussions so uh this is reminiscent of uh the 16th verse in the second chapter of the gita that those who are seers of the truth have concluded that of the non-existent the material body there is no endurance 
and of the eternal soul, there is no change. This they have concluded by studying the nature of both. And Prabhupada writes that there is no endurance of the changing body, that the body is changing every moment by the actions and reactions of the different cells as admitted by modern science, and thus growth in old age are taking place in the body, that the spirit soul exists permanently, remaining the same despite all changes of the body and the mind, and the mind. That is the difference between matter and spirit. By nature, the body is ever-changing, and the soul is eternal. This conclusion is established by all classes of seers of the truth, both impersonalists and personalists. And Prabhupada, at the end of that purport, this is the beginning of the instruction by the Lord by, uh, to the living entities who are bewildered by the influence of ignorance. Removal of ignorance involves the re-establishment of the eternal relationship between the worshiper and the worshipable, and the consequent understanding of the difference between the part and parcel living entities and the supreme personality of Godhead. So, simple, but sublime, and such an important part of our Vaishnava theology, that when we say something is illusory, it's it's not that it doesn't exist, but because it's temporary. Right? And that has, of course, all kinds of implications in our lives if we are wise um, to, in the juxtaposition between trying to develop our eternal relationship with Krishna and dealing with the world and the temporary nature of the world, it's, uh, it takes wisdom. It was a, and, and just like, you know, we all reminisce, like, um, we may all reminisce about something we did 10 or 20 years ago and think about the good old days. Uh, but there was, <laughs> it wasn't the greatest song in the world, but um, there's one line in the song by Carly Simon where she says, these are the good old days right now. Because 20 years from now, we'll be thinking, oh, yeah, I remember when we had COVID-19 and we were having classes by, uh, you know, so these are the good old days. It's the nature of time that it continually marches on. And if we're really intelligent, it's, and it takes some real mercy to be this intelligent, we see the comings and goings of our mind that, are, that is influenced by the three modes of material nature uh, as such. And we, we, we say, okay, yeah, so my mind is disturbed now, and 10 minutes from now it probably won't be disturbed anymore, so why give so much attention to it? And it takes some real wisdom in life to deal with what's in front of us because it's, it's, it's reality, even though it's temporary, and at the same time seek eternality. It takes some uh, good guidance, some good intelligence, like Krishna's kindness, Krishna's Dadami Bhuti Yagam Twam Ki giving us this intelligence because we can get really caught up in what's happening to us and especially what our mind is telling us. Um, it reminds me, I don't know why it reminds me of this, but um, one time I was in Dwarka, the holy place in Dwarka, and I was swimming in the sea there. And I forget the name of the river, but the river, the river there uh, meets the sea. And it actually comes, it, it, the, the water comes from the river very forcefully. And I happened to get caught up in that stream while I was swimming. And within 
less than a minute, I was way out, uh, far away from the shore. And I was thinking, okay, this is it. This is the end. And somehow I got the intelligence to realize it was because of the river. And all I had to do was, instead of trying to swim back to shore, which would have been going against the, the stream of the river, I just had to go a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right to get out of that stream. Right. And then I, then I, the, the waves brought me, brought me back. So I, I think of that when my mind is really all over the place, you know, it doesn't work so much to just say, oh, I'm not going to think about that, but just go a little to the left or to the right, you know, pick up our beads, pick up the Bhagavatam, talk to a devotee, you know, do take some kind of shelter of uh, bhakti, and then we can kind of uh, control the mind and swim back to shore. Um, so some thoughts about uh, this important point about the what we say something is real, but it's temporary. So in that sense, it's illusory. Uh, Andy? Yeah, well, I anyway, I wanted to say something about the end of verse 30, the purport. But I think it's the same thing. <clears throat> they were worshiping uh, the Lord's tortoise, uh, you know, incarnation. Yes. Yeah, and but they, but but then uh, it says something that's very striking. I think it's very stark. It says um, the Lord is anapalaksita shtana. No one can locate him. Right. So even though he's like the most important thing of everything, they're saying you can't find him. So he's, you know, that's the exemplification of being, uh, it's more, it's it transcending being real or not real, yeah. visible good. or not visible. He's everywhere, but you can't find him. So it's very stark. I mean, it has something to do with that. I don't know how you connect it exactly to, to this exact point you were coming. Well, no, it's a really good point. Yeah. It's, uh. I don't know if this is a very good analogy, right? But if you ask a fish what is water, they have no idea what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they're surrounded by it all the time. <laughs> so we're actually surrounded by Krishna all the time. And one who, yo mam pasyati sarvatra sarvam jamai pasati. In the, what chapter is that? One who sees me everywhere and I, everywhere and everyone in me, I'm never lost to him, nor is he ever lost to me. Um, Someone could put that in the chat. That'd be great. Um, so Krishna's there. A, 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 an intelligent person can see him in a tree, knowing that this tree is made of earth, water, fire, air, and ether, which comes from Krishna's energy. Um, but there's a soul inside the tree, which is which Krishna also mentions in the Gita. So we can see Krishna everywhere, but because we don't have the we don't have the knowledge, just like a fish doesn't have the knowledge that there's water everywhere, just like there's water. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's so there, and and therefore we're so fortunate that Gita and the Bhagavatam give us the information to understand to be able to see him. Thank you for that, Andy. Other thoughts, um, Prabhuji. I heard yes, this one, one thing in a lecture. Um, what is that one statement that you can say to someone who is happy? Listening to it, he would become sober. And the same statement you say to a person who's sad, he'll become happy. So that statement is that everything is temporary. Because uh, if you are happy, you know that things are going to change. It will not stay the same. So you don't lose yourself in that. Um, you, stay you stay focused. 
and one who said, you know, that things are going to change and become better. Thank you very much. How good are you at applying that in your life? Not good. <laughs> I'm sure you're just being humble, but yeah, that, that's where the, that's where it really comes, isn't it? Sukundu? Uh, and you know, we really have to uh, apply these things, but yes. Um, and that's why in several places, Krishna is really talking a lot about the Gyani there in the Gita, but that, you know, we're, right? And happiness is stress, victory or defeat. The sage is uh, equipoised. And so that's the Gyani. And then the devotee is also equipoised because their focus is on Krishna. So they take it an extra step. This is going to come up in, if we get to it today, in one of the uh, other verses that we're going to talk about. So thank you for that. Anything else? So let's carry on then. Um, we are going up to 38. Oh, my Lord. So this is the last of the prayers um, by Aryama. Then we will be hearing uh, the goddess of the earth worships Brahadev from the rest, of the rest of the chapter. Okay, so 33. Oh, my Lord, your name, form, and bodily features are expanded in countless forms. No one can determine exactly how many forms exist, yet you yourself, in your incarnation as a learned scholar, Kapil Dave, have analyzed the cosmic manifestation as containing 24 elements. Therefore, if one is interested in Sankhya philosophy, by which one can enumerate the different truths, he must hear it from you. Unfortunately, non-devotees simply count the different elements and remain ignorant of your actual form. I offer my respectful obeisances to you. Now in text 34, Sukadeva Swami is speaking again, and he says, My dear King, the Supreme Lord in his Boar incarnation, who accepts all sacrificial offerings, lives in the northern part of Jambudweep. There, in the track of land known as Uttarakuru Varsh, Mother Earth and all the other inhabitants worship him with unfailing devotional service by repeatedly chanting the following Upanishad mantra, which is, O oh Lord, we offer our respectful obeisances unto you as the gigantic person. Simply by chanting mantras, we shall be able to understand you fully. You are yagna, sacrifice, and you are the kratu, uh, virtual, uh, ritual. Therefore, all the ritualistic ceremonies of sacrifice are part of your transcendental body, and you are the only enjoyer of all sacrifices. Your form is composed of transcendental goodness. You are known as Tri Yuga because in Kali Yuga you appeared as a concealed incarnation and because you always uh, fully possess the three pairs of opulences. Text 36. By manipulating a fire generating, fire generating stick, great sages and sages can bring forth a fire lying dormant within wood. In the same way, O oh Lord, those expert in understanding the absolute truth can try to see you in everything, even in their own bodies. Yet you remain concealed. You are not to be understood by indirect processes involving mental or physical activities because you are self-manifested only when you see that a person is wholeheartedly engaged in searching for you do you reveal yourself. Therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. That's encouraging and scary at the same time, right? Because you are self-manifest, only when you see that a person is wholeheartedly engaged in searching for you, do you reveal yourself. Text 37. The objects of material enjoyment, sound, form, taste, touch, and smell, 
the activities of the senses, the controllers of sensory activities, the demigods, the body, eternal time, and egotism are all creations of your material energy. Those whose intelligence has become fixed by perfect execution of mystic yoga can see all these elements, elements result from the actions of your external energy. They can see your transcendental form as a super soul in the background of everything. Therefore, I repeatedly offer my respectful obeisances unto you. And then text 38. O oh Lord, you do not desire the creation, maintenance, or annihilation of this material world, but you perform these activities for the conditioned souls by your creative energy. Exactly as a piece of iron moves under the influence of a lodestone, inert matter moves when you glance over the total material energy. And in the beginning of the prayer, Prabhupada writes, sometimes the question arises why the Supreme Lord has created this material world. Isn't that a pretty standard question? Yeah. And why, and this is of course a huge question for the world, why is, uh, why is so, what which is so full of suffering for the living entities entrapped in it? So expect, so how did this, why was this world created and why is there suffering? The answer given herein is that the Supreme Personality of God does not wish to create the material world just to inflict suffering on the living entities. The Supreme Lord creates this world only because the conditioned souls want to enjoy it. So talk about paradigm shifts. That is not how the average person in this world sees things. Is that a fair statement? Right, uh, uh, we 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 tend to see that you know um, the world is somehow or other. Even though people will say yes, there's so much suffering in the world, they'll still be um, trying to find a way ways that at least for us or for me, it won't be so bad, or or it might even be really good. And the interesting thing is that someone could read this. Or someone could think that, yes, the world is so suffering and get really depressed or really unhappy, right? Uh, oh my gosh, it's true. But for but that's not what the message is in the Gita. That's not what the message in the Bhagavatam is. Susukam kartam abeya, right? That Christian consciousness is joyfully performed. So it's when we give up calm and we develop prem, right? Those two words. When we, when we give up selfishness and we develop love, everything changes. Everything changes. The whole world is seen through a whole new set of glasses, right? It just becomes a totally different reality, practically speaking, if we can adopt what's, and, and, and understand the import of what's mentioned here, how it, it's actually a loving thing that Krishna is doing um, by arranging a material world where we have choice, well, creating us with free will and then creating an environment where we can exercise that free will. That's one of his great kindnesses upon us. So I, I, I highlighted this because it's such a, um, an amazing three sentences that, put on a whole different uh, way of seeing this world that we're living in, in our material existence. Some thoughts on that? Yes, Prabhu. 
I was uh, hearing one lecture by Chetan Charan Prabhu. He says, uh, and of course, the material world is temporary and full of suffering. But being temporary, it doesn't make us miserable. But when we become attached to those temporary things and miserable things, then we become uh, miserable, truly miserable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, right. It's it's the attachment, you're saying. Yes, Prabhu. Yeah. Because even if one is very attached to a loved one, it's that can be very painful because we have to separate at some point in time. Yes. Right? Uh, just like our our wonderful Nishinga Nitai Prabhu passed away uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday. And I think many of the devotees here remember him. He was a Pujari. That's true. Uh, here and uh, and so and his wife is feeling, of course, such suffer, such uh, such uh, pain of separation, and now having two seven-year-old children to take care of and, and all that, and and it's so sad, you know. Just yeah, the material world is just a tough place, but of course, he had Krishna shelter, and and therefore, Prabodha Nanda Saraswati Thakur says, "Vishvam Purna Sukayate," mm-hmm. that for a devotee. Who's yeah. not attached to anything, but is attached to Krishna? Uh, the whole world can be like Vaikuntha. It, it, it's a whole different way of seeing things. Thank you for that, Mama Prabhu. Thank you, Prabhu. Other thoughts? Hare uh, Krishna, Prabhu. Um, the the cause of suffering is due to wanting to enjoy independently without God. Um, enjoying and seeking pleasure is fine as long as it's done in relationship with God. But the nature of material existence is such that we want to enjoy, or the the living beings that are present in the material world have the tendency to enjoy independently without God. And suffering is a consequence of that kind of conception. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how Krishna says that in the Gita, right? Yehi sansparsa japoga Dukkha Yonaya Evate, Adi Antavata Kamtaya Nate Shuramate Buddha, right? That, uh, the wise person does not take pleasure in the sources of misery. Isn't that a very interesting uh, juxtaposition of words that Prabhupada translates? Does not take pleasure in the sources of misery, um, which have to do, what is it, with contact with the material senses? And then he says, uh, just like we studied in verse 32, Adi Antavata. They have an adi, a beginning, and an anta, an end. And therefore, nateshu ramate buddha, an intelligent person, doesn't seek pleasure there. Yeah. And the, yes, uh, Andy? And I think that's the error of the Buddhists. They focus, they say all life is suffering. And they really expect suffering all the time. And they say, and part of it is good. They say if pain comes into your life, just feel it. Leave your heart open. That's good. But they focused on the suffering all the time. And yeah. That's what yeah. they say. So they don't have, exactly, that they don't have the uh, param drishtva. They don't know the person. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Now that's that's the challenge. Okay. Well said. Well said. But they do have very cool bags that they carry. Yeah. I'm not against them. They have many great things. But I'm no, just they have, saying they, they, they have, that's where they we, have, that's where we differ. They have yeah. part of it right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and 
if they can become uh, Vaishnavas, they can become very quickly, probably surpass many of us because they, uh, that, that detachment is there. Krishna says that, Bohunam Janmanam Ante, Janavamam Prapadjante, that the Gani who takes, and, and the verses before that, the, the Gani who takes the Bhakti, it's kind of like uh, Prabhupada calls it lighting a, a match to dry grass. You can uh, go very quickly because of that de- uh, detachment from sense gratification. Thank you for that. Such great comments. Thank you, Prabhus. And by the way, if you see uh, DK, please uh, congratulate him. I don't know how many of you were on the initiation yesterday. It was a virtual initiation. And DK is now Dira Krishna Prabhu. Oh. Who's his Maharaj? Uh, Kadamba Kananda Maharaj. It was a really wonderful initiation. There were people from all over the world getting initiated on Zoom. Uh, it was very, very sweet. Yeah. Henry, you were there, right? Who's DK Prabhu? DK so Gorham, you don't know? He, he's been at our temple for forever. <laughs> yeah, he's wife, from, uh, uh, he's from Nepal. It was a wonderful initiation. It was really a pleasure to be there. Totally made my Saturday. Yeah, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, his wife had already got initiated by Giri Swami. His son is a really nice guy. He went to MIT and uh, is in the Navy. Um, yeah, very, very nice family. Yeah, and, and Kadama Kanamaraj is an old old friend of mine, so it was really nice to uh, be there yesterday. Okay, so now that we solved the world's problems, <laughs> nothing like you know a Sunday morning talking about these really heavy philosophical points, like why this why Krishna created this world, uh, and then the last verse in this chapter, is that right? Yes, thirty nine. My Lord, as the original bore within this universe, you fought and killed the great demon Hiranyaksha. Then you lifted me, the earth, from the Karvotaka uh, ocean on the end of your tusk, exactly as a sporting elephant plucks a lotus flower from the water. I bow down before you. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the fifth canto, 18th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled The Prayers Offered to the Lord by the Residents of Jambudu. And now, text. 19, which in the beginning is a continuation, which has prayers of Hanuman making prayers to uh, Lord Ramachandra. And then we hear about the glories of Bharat Varsh. So chapter 19, a description of the island of Jambudvi. And so again, for this chapter, uh, unless you have a different opinion, I'll continue reading the translations. But again, when we start getting into the structure of the universe, uh, we'll, uh, we're going to skip some of that because we did have a whole class on that, uh, two-hour class on, on that, and it's going to be a much better explanation than I could ever possibly have given. Prabhu, one technical question, Prabhu. Anji. Um, actually, Nandimukhi asked me this. It's about lifting the earth. Is it the earth planet that's being referred here, or is it Bhumandala? Oh. <laughs> like I said, I'm the wrong person to ask these questions. I'm assuming it's the Earth planet, but uh, if you like, we can ask uh, the appropriate authorities. Thank you. Okay, if you remind me. And uh, 
Sugandha, uh, oh yes, so she quoted this beautiful verse, Narayana Parasave Nakutas Chanya Bidditi Swarga Paraga Narakeshu Apituyatadash. And for a devotee, um, this was spoken right when, when uh, Parvati Devi cursed Chitraketu, and Chitraketu was like, he was, was happy. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, thank you so much, uh, Devi, for doing this. And then Lord Shiva said this verse, um, that a devotee who's taken shelter of the Supreme Lord is never fearful. For them, going to heaven or going to hell, it doesn't matter as long as they can do service. Okay, so uh, we are studying verse 2 first. So let's begin with verse 1. Srila Sukadeva Goswami said, My dear king in Kim Purusha Varsha, the great devotee Hanuman is always engaged with the inhabitants of that land in devotional service to Lord Ramachandra, the elder brother of Lakshmana uh, and dear husband of Sita Devi. A host of Gandharvas is always engaged in chanting the glories of Lord Ramachandra. That chanting is always extremely auspicious. All, along with Aristasena, the chief person in Kim Purusha Varsha, Hanuman, Hanumanji constantly hears those glories with complete attention. Hanuman chants the following mantras. So I, I highlighted this the last paragraph where it says the the Vishnu Dharmotara describes that Lord Ramachandra and his brothers Lakshmana, Lakshman, Bharat, and Sutrugna uh, are incarnations of Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradumna, and Anirudas, respectively. The Padma Purana, however, says that Lord Ramachandra is an incarnation of Narayan and that the other three brothers are incarnations of Shesha, Chakra, and Shankar. Therefore, Srila Baladev Yajabhusana has concluded Tad Idam. In other words, these opinions are not contradictory. In some millenniums, Lord Ramachandra and his brother appear as incarnations of Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradhuman, and Aniruddha, and in other millenniums, they appear as incarnations of Narayan, Shesha, Chakra, and Shan. So I thought this was a significant topic to discuss that... First of all, that's things that may appear contradictory to us. There's sometimes really very simple explanations. Okay, that's the first point, and that's often true. Um, you know, we could say, "Why was it so terrible that Krishna's six brothers had to die before uh, he was born?" But then we then we hear the backstory to it, right? Um, and at the same time, there are some times where acharyas look at things differently. So I found two interesting statements by Srila Prabhupada in this, so please listen carefully. Prabhupada says, but still there is specific differences. That is called Vashishta, one with specific differences. And the Mayavadi philosophers, they say, no, there is no specific difference. This is Maya. But we Vaishnavas, we don't say that. That sunshine is sunshine, sun globe is sun globe, and sun god is sun god. But taken together, they are one. Diversity in unity. This is Ashishta Advaitavad. So actually, all the Vaishnavacharyas, Madhvacharya, Ramanuja Acharya, Nimbarka, and Vishnu Swami, there is no difference of opinion 
but they have explained the absolute truth more vividly in their own angle of vision. Otherwise, there is no difference. They never say God and the living entity are one. They will never say that. That is not Vaishnava philosophy. That is Mayavad philosophy. So the propounder of Mayavad philosophy is Sankaracharya and other Vaishnavacharyas, um, Madhvacharya, Ramanujacharya, Nambarka, Vishnuswami, practically they are all one opinion. They differ from Sankaracharya. So in this case, we know that there's some different philosophical tenets in Ramanuja, Madhva, Vishnuswami, um, and Nibarka. Um, but Prabhupada's, but, but, they're, but the basic Vaishnava understanding that we're servants of God and, 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 and many of the other tenets are, are the same. So there may be some differences. Uh, for example, the Nimbarkas focus more on Radha and Krishna, right? And the Ramanujans more on uh, Vishnu or, well, Balaji in particular, but um, I mean, there's some devotees from South India here, so they, they can, I don't want to even say they know much better than me. Or if, 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 I, re, if I remember correctly, Ramanujacharya never um, gave any prevalence to the Bhagavatam, whereas it's the, the literature for us. But still, the basic Vaishnava tenets are, are the same. And here's one other quote. Um, in his book, Sarva Sambhadini, Srila Jiva Goswami has established this philosophy of Achintya Veda, Veda as the ultimate conclusion. The Dvaita Dvaita philosophy propounded by Sri Nimbarka was not complete. However, the Vaishnava world accepted this philosophy as perfect through the teachings of Sriman Mahaprabhu. Since the acceptance of the Lord's eternal Sachin and under form found in Madhva Sampradaya is the main principle of the Achintya Beta Beta philosophy, Sriman Mahaprabhu was accepted the Madhva Sampradaya. Since there are some little scientific differences in the conclusions of the previous Vaishnavacharyas, different Sampradayas have come into being. But by the strength of his omniscience, the supreme personality of Godhead, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, has fulfilled the, dif the deficiencies in the different philosophies. He made the philosophies and conclusions of Sri Madhva, Sri Ramanuja, Sri Vishnu Swami, and Sri Nimbarka faultless and perfect, and mercifully gave everyone in the world his pure conclusion of Achintya Beda Beda. So, you, sometimes, you know, the mind might say, wait a second, if this is true, then that must not be true. But, the, you know, the, we, we look at the bigger picture. Vaishnavas accept the worship of Vishnu, the worship of Krishna. Um, they, they understand, they accept the Bhagavad Gita. They, they, they may be little differences in Ishta Devas or this or that, but, the, but there's no real contradiction. We're all growing in the same direction. And of course, as, as we just read, Jiva Goswami said that ultimately the Lord Chaitanya um, brought the, uh, I, I believe it said that he took one of the main philosophical points from each of the Sampradayas and presented a Chintya Beda, a Beda Tantra. So some thoughts on this? Hare Krishna. Yes. That statement that you're making is... Could you speak a little louder, please? Yes. That statement that you're making seems, in my mind, to be very revelatory. That, um, and I'm glad you're, you're focusing on it because um, 
you previously mentioned uh, just before that, that Ramanuja Charya <coughs> placed no emphasis on Srimad Bhagavatam. That sounds very shocking. Um, but then um, the fact that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu pulled everything together in, in, because he, in his, in his uh, supreme understanding as Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, I don't know. That's, it's just very, uh, for lack of a better word, I said rev revelatory. It means it, it's, it's very uh, new to me and appealing also. Thank you. Uh, Rab thank you, Prabhu. Rabbi Anupur, you going to say something? Yes, Prabhu. Um, it, it's, as you nicely uh, explain, um, the different Vaishnava Sampradayas look at it from different points of view, but the similarities are more rather than the uh, differences. And Ramanujacharya, Sri Sampradaya put more emphasis on Vishnu Purana, but still they accept the statements that are there in Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, and they have continuous discourses on them and Ramayana as well. So in that, we are and many of the uh, practices that we have and also the similarity to the philosophy, we are closely aligned with the Sri Sampradaya than the Madhva Sampradaya. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're, what do you think we're closer, Sri Sampradaya or Nambarka? Because Nambarka is the focus is on Radha and Krishna and Braj Bhakti. Yeah, in, 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 when it comes to worshipping the Radha and Krishna, yes, but when it comes to the understanding of uh, the Supreme Lord and the teachings of Ramanujacharya and Yamunacharya can be seen more uh, being mirrored in our uh, and also the rituals and the deity worship practices most of them are from the Sri Sampradaya thanks to Gopal Bhatta Goswami. Ah, very good, yes. And, and what's really important to remember is uh, I don't know how many of you have been to Vrindavan um, to Mayapur and have seen the temple that um, Srila Bhakti Sananta Sarasati Thakur built, which has the four Acharyas um, uh, installed in the, uh, in the temple, Ramanuja, Madhva, etc. So very significant. And, uh, and he did that in Sri Mayapur. Thank you. Anyone else like to say anything about this? And also in uh, Navadivya Dhamma Mahatmya, Bhakti Thakur mentions that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took two main points from each of these. Oh, four. two. Okay, not one. Yeah. Do you know what they are? Um, I can copy and paste the full text here for the benefit of everybody. Acha. Very nice. It gives a very good explanation of what the... So the Ramanuja Chari... Oops. Uh, um, where is Ramanuja preached the philosophy of Dasya Ras and Vishishta Dwaita. He was reborn as the as a Gora Bhakta named Ananta who lives near Balabacharya's house. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted the following two principles from the Lakshmi Sampradaya. The concept of unalloyed devotion free from karma and gan, Ananya Bhakti, and service to the devotees, Bhakti, Bhakta Jana Seva. 
Um, and then from Lakshmi Sampradaya, the concept of unalloyed devotion. Wait, that was one we just read. Brahma Sampradaya, the complete defeat of the Mayavad philosophy. Kevala Advaita Nirasana, and the worship of the deity of Krishna, and the understanding it to be eternal. Krishna Murti Sevana. From Rudra Sampradaya, the sentiment of total dependence on Krishna, and the path of spontaneous of Radmart, spontaneous bhakti. And from the Kumara Sampradaya, the need of taking exclusive shelter of Radhika, of Lord of Srimati Radharani, and the exalted mood of the Gopi's love for Krishna. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for that information. Okay, shall we continue? We're going up to text number five. <clears throat> that was two. Okay, so three. Let me please uh, your lordship by chanting the beach mantra Omkara. I wish to offer my respectful obeisances unto the personality of Godhead, who is the best among the most highly elevated personalities. Your lordship is the reservoir of all good qualities of Aryans, people who are advanced. Your character and behavior are always consistent and you always uh, control your senses and mind. Acting just like an ordinary human being, you exhibit exemplary character to teach others how to behave. There is a touchstone that can be used to examine the qualities of gold, but you are like a touchstone that can verify all good qualities. You are worshipped by Brahmanas, who are the foremost of all devotees. You are the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, you, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, are the King of Kings. And therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. And of course, sometimes when we are talking to people, we have to be careful to maybe explain what uh, the word Aryan or what the swastika <laughs> is a symbol of. Because... Uh, both, both the symbol and the words were co-opted by uh, unsavory uh, people. <laughs> Although the swastika is different, it points a different way. Yeah, it points a different way, but not every, but not everyone knows that. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It points a different way. Yeah. Um. But and and yes, yeah, so we're not. Uh, we don't uh, subscribe to the Aryan Nation or any of that sort of stuff. <laughs> That actually was a, a big point for my father being against this movement by seeing the swastika. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Text number four. The Lord, whose pure form, such an Ananda Vigraha, is uncontaminated by the modes of material nature, can be perceived by pure consciousness. In the Vedanta, he is described as being one without a second. Because of his spiritual potency, he is untouched by the contamination of material nature. And because he is not subjected to material vision, he is known as transcendental. He has no material activities, nor has he a material form or name. Only in pure consciousness, Krishna consciousness, can one perceive the transcendental form of the Lord. Let us be firmly fixed at the lotus feet of Lord Ramachandra, and let us offer our respectful obeisances unto those transcendental lotus feet. This is, of course, Hanuman speaking. In text 5, It was ordained that Ravana, chief of the Rakshashas, could not be killed by anyone but a man, uh, anyone but a man, and for this reason, Lord Ramachandra, the Supreme Personality of God, had appeared in the form of a human being. Lord Ramachandra's mission, however, was not only to kill Ravana, but also to teach mortal beings that hap material happiness 
centered around sex life or centered around one's wife is the cause of many miseries. He is the self, someone's laughing, it, probably Gurudas is wearing saffron. He is the self-sufficient supreme personality of Godhead, and nothing is lamentable for him. Therefore, why else could he be subjected to tribulations by the kidnapping of Mother Sita? And I want to focus on this one purport, uh, one paragraph. Uh, Prabhupada writes, <clears throat> Another aspect of the Lord's instructions, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> okay, better, is that one who accepts a wife must be a faithful husband and give her full protection. Human society is divided into two classes of men. Now listen to this, because I think if you read this uh, initially, you might think, wait, aren't they the same? But human society, human society, human society is divided into two classes of men. Those who strictly follow the religious principles and those who are devotees. Now you might say, wait a second, aren't they the same? By his personal example, Lord Ramachandra wanted to instruct both of them how to fully adopt the, the discipline of the religious system and how to be a beloved and dutiful husband. Otherwise, he had no reason to undergo apparent tribulations. One who strictly follows religious principles must not neglect to provide all facilities for the complete protection of his wife. There may be some suffering because of this, but one must nevertheless endure it. That is the duty of a faithful husband. By his personal example, Lord Ramachandra demonstrated this duty. Lord Ramachandra could have produced hundreds and thousands of sitas for, uh, from his pleasure energy, but just to show the duty of a faithful husband, he not only rescued Sita from the hands of Ravana, but also killed Ravana and all the members of his family. So, first things, what's the difference between a, uh, one who strictly follows religious principles and a devotee? It's, yeah. One who strictly follows religious principles is Karma Kanda, just for material benefits. And one who is uh, a devotee is above material benefits. It's the activity is only done for the pleasure of the Supreme Lord. Okay. Is that what you're going to say, Gurudas? Um, perhaps something similar. I was thinking of the Jagyak Brahmanas uh, uh. like the ones in Krishna's pastime who uh, they are attracted to performing the ritualistic ceremonies of the Vedas but, uh, but they're not uh, devotees. Good, good, yes. So the external activities are going to be probably in this in this purport one and the same, uh, being a faithful husband, right? But the as both of you are saying, the motivation is going to be different. The motivation is going to be different. Um, for peaceful society, it's good that we have people who at least follow religious principles. Right? Uh, for a devotional society, we want to go uh, a step further. So, and we know that another important description of words that are used to describe Lord Ramachandra um, is uh, ekapatni brata, right? What does that mean? Accepting only one wife. Yeah, he accepted only one wife, right? Because countries, as we know, even from the example of his father, could have uh, more than one uh, wife. But he was so faithful. He showed so much, uh, so, you know, uh, concerned and, and, you know, went to such an extent to get Sita back after she had been 
um, kidnapped. And so it's good instruction for us. We have many husbands on this call today um, that it's important to be a, uh, a faithful husband and to give all protection. Now, what that means in uh, 2020 in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., doesn't mean you necessarily have to have your, you know, your uh, shotgun out all the time and uh, be like a bodyguard for your wife <laughs> as she goes to uh, the Safeway or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, but we, I think we have some idea. Anyone have some practical ideas of what it means to a, a husband in 2020 in D.C.? Or in England, we have people from England and people from, I think, South Carolina and other places. Don't fall in love with other women. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big one. That's the big one. That is the big one. Yes, to be Eka uh, Patni Prata. Yes. Anything also, else? Also, as uh, Prabhupada has mentioned, the, the purpose of the householder life is for the husband to support the wife and the wife to support the husband in... Uh, advancing in their spiritual life. Yeah. Very good. Correct. Yes. Anything else? And we also, by the way, have some uh, uh, unmarried men and unmarried women on this call as well, looking at the, uh, everyone on the call. Well, I observe my married um, friends very carefully, and I think that um, they need to do all their chores before they play golf, I think is very important. <laughs> Yes, and we can extrapolate that in a Christian conscious way, right? <laughs> yes, but it, but it is it is sometimes it's the big things and it's the small things, right? It's the big things of somebody is sick to taking good care of them, and it's the small things, you know, seeing some dishes in the sink and taking a couple of minutes to wash them, right, or whatever. Um, now it does. It also cuts both ways. Okay, um, let me read this. Okay, so the translation is as a that the that the wife also uh, protects the husband. Uh, as a fort commander, very easily conquers invading plunderers by taking shelter of a wife. One can conquer the senses, which are unconquerable in other spiritual orders. Purport. Of the four orders of human society, the student, the Brahmach or Brahmachari order, the householder or Grihasta order, the retired or Vanaprasta order, and the renounced or Sannyasa order, the householder is on the safe side. The bodily senses are considered plunderers of the fort of the body. The wife is supposed to be the commander of the fort, and therefore, whenever there is an attack on the body by the senses, it is the wife who protects the body from being smashed. The sex demand is inevitable for everyone, but one who has a fixed wife is saved from the onslaught of the sense enemy. This is an interesting uh, statement. The Grihasta is responsible for producing first quality brahmacharis, vanaprastas, and sannyasis. So the protection also cuts both ways. And so uh, we sometimes use the word chaste, right? That a wife should be chaste. Um, but same thing as being faithful. And then that has a peaceful um, influence on society. And somewhere in there, the wife is 
supposed to see your husband as representing the spiritual master? Yes. Pati Guru. Anything else on this topic? Everyone's like, I don't want to talk about this topic. <laughs> I'm not going to make any comment. My wife might be listening. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, carry on. And we are going up to verse number eight. Text six. Since Lord Sri Ramachandra is the supreme personality of God at Vasudeva, he is not attached to anything in this material world. He is the most beloved super soul of all self-realized souls, and he is their very intimate friend. He is full of all opulences. Therefore, he could not possibly have suffered because of separation from his wife, nor could he have given up his wife and Lakshman, his younger brother. To give up either would have been absolutely impossible. One cannot establish a friendship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead Ramachandra on the basis of material qualities such as one's birth in an aristocratic family, one's personal beauty, one's eloquence, one's sharp intelligence, or one's superior race or nation. None of these qualifications is actually a prerequisite for friendship with Lord Sri Ramachandra. Otherwise, how is it possible, though we uncivilized inhabitants of the forest have not taken noble births, although, uh, wait, wait. How is it possible that although we uncivilized inhabitants of the forest have not taken noble births, although we have no physical beauty and although we cannot speak like gentlemen, Lord Ramachandra has nonetheless accepted us as friends. That's seven, okay. Text number eight. Therefore, whether one is a demigod or a demon, a man or a creature other than a man, such as a beast or bird, Everyone should worship Lord Ramachandra, the Supreme Personality of God, who appears on this earth just like a human being. There is no need of great austerities or penances to worship the Lord, for he accepts even a small service offered by his devotee. Thus he is satisfied, uh, thus he is satisfied, and as soon as he is satisfied, the devotee is successful. Indeed, Lord Sri Ramachandra brought all the devotees of Ayodhya back home, back to Godhead. Amazing, huh? Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Purport. Lord Sri Ramachandra is so kind and merciful to his devotees that he is very easily satisfied by a little service rendered by anyone, human or not. This is the special advantage of worshipping Lord Ramachandra, and there is the same advantage in worshipping Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Krishna and Lord Ramachandra in the matter of uh, in the manner of Chatriya, sometimes showed their mercy by killing asuras, asuras. But Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu awarded love of God without difficulty, even to the asuras. All the incarnations of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but especially Lord Ramachandra, Lord Krishna, and later Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, delivered many of the living entities present before them. <clears throat> Indeed, almost all of them, Sri Chaitanya, indeed almost all of them. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was therefore represented in the six-armed form of Sadbuj Murti, which is a combination of Lord Ramachandra, Lord Krishna, and Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The best purpose of human life can be fulfilled 
by worshipping the Sadbuja Murti, the form of the Lord with six arms, two arms of Lord Ramachandra, two arms of Krishna, and two arms of Sri Chaitanya. So, yes, in one sense, these are the main incarnations of the Lord that we worship in Niskan. If you, I guess you would also include uh, Nishingha Dev, right? And then going a little further, Balaram and Nityananda Prabhu. Right? But the, certainly these are the main incarnations of Krishna that we, uh, we worship. And the Sadbuja form of the Lord is a very special one. In the, um, here, I'll, I'll just post this, 11th Canto, Chapter 5, Text 34, uh, that verse is two verses after the famous verse, Krishna Varnam Trisa Krishna, that, that predicts Lord Chaitanya's arrival, uh, appearance. Um, and in this verse, although it's a little, uh, I didn't want to get into all the detail. The purport is a very long purport that explains this. But it says that the, uh, the Acharyas say that this verse that I just posted, text 34, is explain, uh, predicts, or doesn't predicts, but uh, describes the Sadhguja. O Mahapurusha, I worship your lotus feet. You gave up the association of the goddess of fortune and all her opulence, which is most difficult to renounce and is hankered after by even the great demigods. Being the most faithful follower of the path of religion, you thus left for the forest in obedience to a Brahmana's curse. Out of sheer mercifulness, you chased all the fallen conditioned souls who are always in pursuit of false enjoyment of illusion, and at the same time engage in searching out your own desired object, Lord Shamsundar. Um, also, um, if you, I don't know if any of you have had the fortune of going to uh, Alarnath. Have any, has anyone here ever been to Alarnath? Anyone? Henry, you've probably been, maybe. No? You haven't been to... It's a, it's a short drive from Puri, and it's a beautiful, beautiful temple. It's in a small village, and that's the... the there's a place where Lord Chaitanya laid down, and the stone melted, and you see the impression of his body there. But they also have a Sadbuja um, deity there. Very, very wonderful place. Any questions or comments on Sadbuja? Just, just this. Um, you just mentioned the deities that Iskan concentrates on. And... Uh, in one sense, Sadhbuja is not one of them. Um, although right. it, it, uh, it very prominently is mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita. I'm trying to search my very deficient mind. Uh, Lord, Lord Chaitanya revealed to who the Sadhbuja form? Yeah, to at, uh, at the Vyas Puja of Lord Nityananda. He did. That's mentioned Chaitanya Bhagwat. By the way, Jay, Jay just post, posted a beautiful picture, um, a link to a beautiful picture, and Divya Anand Prabhu, Divya Anand Prabhu mentioned that he's been there. It's wonderful. Yeah, so it's, it's a mentioned, uh, it, but I'm just remembering the Chaitanya Bhagwat that in Lord Nityananda's uh, Vyasa Puja, Lord Chaitanya 
revealed it to several uh, revealed, revealed that to form to several devotees. But it's also mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. I'm just not remembering if someone wants to research that. He revealed it to Sarvabhauma Bhattacharya. Yes, Sarvabhauma Bhattacharya. Thank you. Yeah. Like I say, very deficient mind. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, form of the Lord or forms of the Lord to contemplate on. Um, and it's, uh, in one sense, perhaps a little, little uh, regretful that we don't place more emphasis on that wonderful form. Well, no one's stopping you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I didn't see. There's like three different. Uh, oh, that's that's that second one is beautiful. Beautiful picture. Wow. There are some deities of Shatbuja form and they are being worshipped. Where? Uh, some of the devotees like uh, in Bengal, they have the Shatbuja deity forms and the deity itself can be seen in the photos. Uh, and all, uh, as I said, Alarna, uh, it's there. There's a deity there. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and Suganda just posted something also. A whole, oh, there's a whole article by Satyaraj Prabhu in uh, 2018 in Back to Godhead. So, wow, and all the different photos of Sadhguru. My gosh, thank you, Suganda. Yeah. And, and, and he's a very good writer, so I'm sure you'll find all kinds of information there. Wonderful. Great. So let us, uh, any other comments, uh, thoughts on Satyaraj Okay, then let us continue. Now we're going up to, I'm going to talk about 19 and 20 at the same time. Okay, but first we have to read uh, through the translations. Sukadeva Goswami continued, The glories of the Supreme Personality of God are inconceivable. He has appeared in the form of Naranarayan in the land of Bharatvarsha, at the place known as Badrikasham, to favor his devotees by teaching them religion, knowledge, renunciation, spiritual power, sense control, and freedom from false ego. He is advanced in the opulence of spiritual assets, and he engages in executing austerity until the end of this millennium. This is the process of self-realization. Text number 10. In his, so we're, we, we're, we're no longer talking, uh, we're not hearing... Um, Hanuman speak anymore. Now we're going to be hearing the glories of Bharatvarsh. In his book known as Narada Pancharatra, Bhagavan Narada has very vividly described how to work to achieve the ultimate goal of life, devotion, through knowledge and through execution of the mystic yoga system. He has also described the glories of the Lord, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The great sage Narada instructed the tenets of this transcendental literature to uh, Sarvani Muni, in order to teach those inhabitants of Bharatvarsh who strictly follow the principles of Varnashrama Dharma how to achieve the devotional service of the Lord. Thus, Nardamuni, along with the other inhabitants of Bharatvarsh, uh, always engage in the service of Nar Nara Narayana, and he chants as follows. 
And so you'll see, I think, several places this verse from the Adi Lila that's Parata Umite Hoi Manushya Jamayar Jama Sartaka Kari Kara Parautka. The one is very fortunate to take birth in Bharat Barsh, but they should make their life perf perfect by preaching the glories of Lord, the Lord. Text 11. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto Narayan, the best of all saintly persons, the supreme personality of Godhead. He is the most self-controlled and self-realized. He is free from false prestige, and he is the asset of persons who have no material possessions. He is the spiritual master of all Paramahansas, who are the most exalted human beings, and he is the master of the self-realized. Let me offer my repeated obeisances at his lotus feet. Narada, the most powerful saintly sage, also worships Narayan by chanting the following mantra. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the master of the creation, maintenance, and annihilation of this visible cosmic manifestation, yet he is completely free from material prestige. Although, uh, although to the foolish he appears to have a accepted a material body like us. He is, the he is unaffected by bodily tribulations like hunger, thirst, and fatigue. Although he is the witness who sees everything, his senses are unpolluted by the objects he sees. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the unattached, pure witness of the world, the supreme soul, the personality of Godhead. O oh my Lord, master of all mystic yoga, this is the explanation of the yogic process spoken by Lord Brahma, Hiranyagarbha, who is self-realized. At the time of death, all yogis give up the material body with full detachment, simply by placing their mind at your lotus feet. That is the perfection of yoga. Text 14. Materialists are generally very attached to their present bodily comforts and to the bodily comforts they expect in the future. Therefore, they are always absorbed in thoughts of their wives, children, and wealth and are afraid of giving up their bodies, which are full of stool and urine. If a person is engaged in Krishna consciousness, however, if a person engaged in Krishna consciousness, however, is also afraid of giving up his body, what is the use of his having labored to study the Shastra? It was simply a waste of time. So a sobering statement that we should become um, fearless by taking shelter of Krishna. Therefore, O Lord, O transcendence, kindly help us by giving us the power to execute bhakti yoga so that we can control our restless mind and fix them on, upon you. So we need Krishna's mercy to be able to do that. We are all infected by your illusory energy. Therefore, we are very attached to the body which is, again, which is full of stool and urine, and to anything related with the body. Except for devotional service, there's no way to give up this attachment. Therefore, kindly bestow um, upon us this benediction. So, it's, again, you know, this, it's very interesting the juxtaposition here of detachment, the body's stool and urine, and how, but how to become free from it, Devotional service. We can't do it on our own. Text 16. In the track of land known as Bharatvarsh, as in Elavritavarsh, there are many mountains and rivers. Some of the mountains are known as Malaya, Mangala Prashta, um, Mainaka, Trikuta, Rishab, Kutaka, 
Kolaka, Saya, Devagiri, um, Rishya Mukha, Mukka, Sri Saya, Venkata, Mahendra, Varidhara, Vindya, uh, Sutiman, Vrik uh, Shagiri, Pariyatra, Drona, Chittakuta, Govardhan, Raivataka, Kakubha, Nila, Goka Mukha, Indrakila, and Kamagiri. Besides these, there are many other hills with many large and small rivers flowing from their slopes. 17 and 18. Oh my gosh, I think I'll, <laughs> I'll skip reading all those words. As you can see, my pronunciation isn't great. Two of the rivers, the Brahmaputra and Sona, are called Nadas, or main rivers. There are other great rivers that are very prominent. And then there's the whole list. The inhabitants of Bardvarsh are purified because they always remember these rivers. Sometimes they chant the names of these rivers as mantras, and sometimes they go directly to the rivers to touch them and bathe in them. Thus, the inhabitants of Bardvarsh become purified. Now, text 19. The people who take birth in the track of land are divided according to the qualities of material nature, the mode of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Some of them are born as exalted personalities, some as ordinary human beings, and some as extremely abominable. For in Parthvarsh, one takes birth exactly according to one's past karma. If one's position is ascertained by a bona fide spiritual master and one is properly trained to engage in the service of Lord Vishnu according to the four social divisions and the four spiritual divisions, one's life becomes perfect. So here Prabhupada writes that uh, because there is no institution to teach people how to become Brahmas, Kshatriyas, Vaishya Sutras, or Brahmacharis, Vihasas, Vanaprasas, these demons want a classless society. This is resulting in chaotic conditions. By the name, in the name of secular government, unqualified people are taking the spirit, the supreme material, uh, government posts. And then a little at the end, the Krishna consciousness movement, however, is being propagated all over the world to reestablish the Varnashrama Dharma system and thus save human society from gliding down to hellish life. So I'm just going to read, I'm going to skip to the next purport because I want to juxtaposition these two statements. In the next purport, Prabhupada writes, in the material world, in the bodily conception of life, concept of life, everyone is working in the wrong direction. When one becomes Brahmabhuta, spiritually realized, one understands that he is not the body and that working in the bodily concept of life is, is useless and misdirected. Then his devotional service begins. When one later, when one is attracted by the beauty of the supreme personality of God, and his mind is always engaged at the Lord's lotus feet, he is no longer interested in subjects that do not help him in self-realization. In other words, he loses all attraction for material activities. A little further, a living entity becomes established in spiritual blissful life when he fully understands that his happiness depends, depends on self -real, spiritual self-realization, which is the basis, basic principle of ananda, bliss. And when he is eternally situated in the service of the Lord, who has no other Lord above him. So what, what I think is interesting is the previous purport about Varnashrama 
and we don't want a classless society, and it means divisions of Brahmins, Khatriyas, Vaishya Sutras, etc. And then the very next purport, um, talking about how we have to be free from the bodily concept, right? Because it's a bodily concept to be a Khatriya or a Brahmin. And even it's, it's, it's a bodily concept to some extent to be a Brahmachari, we have to find across the Sanyasi, right? Because it's temp- those are temporary designations. So, which one is it? And I think the answer is both. Because <laughs> as much as Varnashrama is so maligned in the world today because of its terrible, terrible, um, uh, how it, 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 it's become this socio-political economic mess that we call the caste system. Right? And uh, there's, it's um, much maligned in Western culture, especially there's this new Netflix um, uh, series on uh, Indian matrimony, and it brings out the worst. Like, you know, well, somebody says, well, he has to be light skinned, and he has to be from this, uh, you know, this Varna. Uh, and, you know, has to have this much money and has to be a good family. And, you know, all of these, uh, you know, but so much on, on the skin color or it has to be a guju if, he's, if they're a guju themselves, right? Or, or, you know, and, and, and all these things. And, you know, to a Westerner, it's just like, oh, my God, you know, it's, this is too much. And, and there's also I saw a friend of mine sent me a video recently, a whole thing on the, uh, am I pronouncing it right, Dalits, right? And, 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 and it brings out the worst of that, that they can't go to their friends' houses and they, you know, so, so many things about the uh, uh, lower than sutras, I guess, right? Untouchables and, and things. And that's not the, it was so, and what's so almost ironic is that Prabhupada's point is that if we could, ex, if we could uh, establish Daivi Varnashram, Varnashram based on spiritual principles, it actually brings about a peaceful, a peaceful culture. And I think even to this day, devotees are still kind of scratching their heads trying to figure out how to do that because the caste system has become so ingrained in, in India and it's such a mess, even though actually it's illegal, right? It's, it's, you know, it's illegal literally, but that doesn't mean it's not like so prevalent in so many parts of the country. Um, but the idea being that you have brahmanas who are real brahmanas who they, they, they don't have an occupation. They just live on charity. They live a very simple life. And their whole life is giving, 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 giving knowledge, being maybe giving medical advice, astrological advice. But they're just, they just live to give and not thinking, hey, I'm on, on the top of the food chain here and you better pay obeisances to me. Not, not at all like that. In country is where these you know, these, these, these Prichit Maharaj, Prithu Maharaj kind of people, right? And, and uh, Vaishas were making money, but they were doing it in an ethical way. And Sutras were happy to serve because they were, they were taken care of completely. And it's so, it seems so foreign to our view. Uh, and yet Prabhupada, you know, mentions it very often. And still he mentions also what is stated in the next verse, and, and which is, of course, the ultimate spiritual reality, that we're none of these things, 
Lord Chaitanya used to pray, Naham Vipra Nacharamati, I'm not a sannyasi, I'm not a this, I'm not that. The only thing I am is Gopi Bhattarapatna Kamalayor I'm just a servant of the servant of the servant. So Prabhupada, as far as I understand, thought that if we could create a peaceful, like we were talking about earlier, purport, religious principle-based society as a basis, and that could be a wonderful springboard into Krishna consciousness, and that living in a society where, anyway, we, all, we, don't, have, we don't need to illuminate, I mean, a, a list all, all the different problems that are wrong with society today. They're, they're all... We, we all know them. Uh, it makes it a little harder to develop pure bhakti. So um, that's the case. And also the reality is, I think if we're honest, that uh, there is stratification in every society. right? Um, and uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. The bad thing is when it becomes based on birth. Instead of what Krishna says in Gita, Guna Karma, Vipakti, right? That it should be based on our qualities. And not that anyone is better than the other, because ultimately it's the, the Pratishta is Samadarshina, that we're all equal. And not only human beings, all living entities are part and parcel of Krishna. So, so that's also one of those balancing acts, like we talked about earlier, that we do understand that there are differences and that people have uh, occupational expertise in different ways, yet or and samadarshina, jivara swarupahaya, krishnara nitidasa. Everyone is a, ultimately a servant of Krishna and everyone should have an opportunity to revive their Krishna consciousness, regardless of their body, regardless of, regardless of their species even, what to speak of their race or their gender or their uh, whatever other differences, their, their socioeconomic background. Everyone is Krishna's son and daughter. So that's why I wanted to do 19 and 20 together because I saw that interesting juxtaposition and someone could say, oh, this is contradictory. I don't think it's contradictory. It's emphasizing one thing here and that one thing can help lead to text, what's mentioned in text 20. So that was quite a little speech. Uh, any <laughs> thoughts on that? Does anybody know why the Ganga was not listed in the rivers? Or was it listed under a different name? Well, maybe because, uh, you know, it already got top billing two, two chapters before, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly why. Um, but uh, I'd have to think of the geography also. But remember, we had that whole chapter on the Ganga? And did you take bath in the Ganga, uh, Andy? Very oh, nice. Yeah, very nice spot in, in Mayapur. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Wonderful. No wonder you're so happy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other thoughts on this point? Or if you know why the Ganga is not mentioned, please speak up. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, that the caste system has become illegal, and it was occurring to me that the Indian government that has made it illegal has fallen into the trap of 
uh, material thinking, more fund of knowledge. There's no replacement. And then when you talked about how Srila Prabhupada, of course, in so many purports in the Bhagavatam, wants to replace the material idea with the spiritual uh, right. Daivi Varnashram. And uh, that's that seems to be our uh, the focus of what we're talking about, that uh, the 99.9% of the world doesn't accept or doesn't have the, the courage or the right information or a combination of both to accept mm-hmm. this principle. Yes, yes. Does anyone know when, when it became illegal in India? It was quite early. It was quite a while ago, wasn't it? But it's something that, you know, uh, hasn't really changed much. <laughs> Just pick up, well, I guess now it's virtual, but you pick up a newspaper and look in the matrimonial section. Right? And they had a news item where the uh, <clears throat> the Daleks, the land that was allocated to them was actually stolen by some upper caste members to a financial trick. And so uh, they were preyed upon by this more privileged caste. So, right, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's really um, bad. Let's see. Chase says, "I think all these rivers could be part of Ganga because the Ganga basically comes from outside the Bharat Varsha, from outside the universe." He he might that may be it. I, I I'm not uh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it, it was interesting. I mean, I lived in India for 21 years and, you know, on a daily basis, I didn't notice it, but that was mainly because I was in ISKCON temples and things like that. But I remember like I was, I used to rub elbows a lot with judges and lawyers in India and they wouldn't so much talk caste but they would just say comes from a good family very well to do very educated right things like that yeah uh yeah they're living they're living in usa and doing very well you know things like that <laughs> i mean that they had lots lots of uh, money or coming from a good family things like that um it's yeah so it's uh so to establish Varna, a Daivi Varnashram is not an easy thing to do. But if you think about it, everywhere, like if you just go to my office, okay, so my office, and this is, uh, you know, there's people who are Brahmana-ish, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, you know, the kind of thinkers there. There are the managers who are Chatriya-ish, they're the, you know, they're the economists who are Vaisha-ish, and they're all the people who take care of the facilities. And one thing I always say, if, if, if even for one week the people stop taking care of the facilities, no one would want to go in that building. It would just be hell on earth. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you do need all people. You do need, you do need everyone. Could you imagine if, if the garbage just piled up outside your house week after week? And that, that's happened sometimes, right? 
and they go on strike or something. So we, we need, uh, and, and there, there are these natural divisions. Krishna says uh, that, you know, that's a system he created. <clears throat> so it's there, um, but uh, it shouldn't be based on birth for sure. In a, in a way, the current uh, events uh, sort of mirror this in the sense that uh, uh, the current movement, Black Lives Matter, and their primary complaint is uh, systemic racism. Yeah. That it's, you know, uh, been the awareness of the Westerners, especially Americans, for generations and generations that if you're born in a, with a black body, that you're automatically lesser. Um, yeah. And that's not our philosophy, right? Our philosophy is samadarshina, to see everyone equally. So it's, Good. So it's noon. So it's that time. We've, we've almost finished this chapter. We only have uh, one other verse that we were going to cover. And I will be sending out the homework and we'll be discussing. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that we really start getting into the, uh, the details of the universe in the next chapter. I mean, it's called studying the structure of the universe. <laughs> so let us see what we will cover and uh, not cover. But there are some really wonderful purports there that we'll look at. I only plan on on, you know, skipping those things that are specifically about the structure and the purports specifically about the structure because we did cover that and it's not my field of expertise. It's ecstatic. Yes. Okay, thank you, Prabhu's. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.